count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. What is going on? We just got a good uh, voice crack to start this podcast again. So I always know when the voice cracks, it's going to be a good time. <sighs> you feel that breath? A breath is an affirmation of you continuing forward in this world of exponential generating opportunity. It is just all around us. We are just flooded. An embarrassment of riches and opportunity are amongst us. And that can lead you to be a little bit depressed, which I've been these past few days. And so a thought that I've been wanting to share with you guys, it's kind of a multifaceted thought, but I've been trying to be aware of how I talk to myself and then also how I select and observe desires mentally. So when I've been waking up in the morning, I've been saying, fuck social media. I've been getting on it. I'm not trying to take in anybody else's energy for the day. And I've been trying to remind myself that I genuinely have to love who I am today in order to get better for tomorrow. And then two, and also do a solid job as a human today and contribute to society. You being a good person spreads. It really is. It's a radiating force that just spreads into the world in exponential ways that you are just not simply aware of because you are not that smart. So it makes sense that you should aim to love yourself. And that's hard to do because there's parts of yourself that you hate. And there's parts of yourself that you wish you got better at that you didn't get better at this year. But we might have next year. So there you go. Try to love yourself today. Try to remind yourself. There's a book I've been reading called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And no, this is not some book club this is not the cosmic country book club but we will one day probably do that uh naval Ravikant's brother wrote this book and man i just cannot get over it but the one thing that's really simple about it is that the mental muscle that you have is that you can flex it and 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 repeat mantras to yourself that will curate different behaviors in your mind so if you can tell yourself that you love yourself and, and find ways to love yourself logistically like make it make sense then you will find that the day's a little bit nicer, it's a little bit smoother. Okay, and then second, observe your desires. When you say you want something, I want to be like that person, I want to get those off-white Jordans, or I need to make more money, or I need more followers. Do you really, though, or are you just a little bit not very centered with what your why is, with what your what is, with what your main focus is? Are you, Before you take on a new desire and decide that you need to go sell this guitar and then buy this microphone, or you need to go move to this state because you heard that this person moved there and they had a successful life story, Really just try to center several times a day with what your five-year idea is, with what your plan is, right? We get that 2020 taught us that there is no regularity uh, that is owed to us as a, as a human race. But what you can owe to yourself is that you can, before start taking in desires and adding things onto your mental desktop, be aware of what your main goal is and be aware of what your why is and what your what is and what your mission statement is. It's really easy to get lost today without a mission statement. So, and I'm only saying that because I've been feeling this these past couple of days. I love y'all. Stay patient. Stay persistent. Stay positive. Stay cosmic. My next guest today is Mr. Justin Osborne, the genius mastermind behind Susto, also behind Acid Boys. And he's also a fantastic father, performer, writer. We met in Todos Santos, Mexico in 2019. 
and uh, I just finished doing a set, and he came up to me right after I finished. He's like, man, I don't have my guitar. Can I borrow your guitar? And man, I watched him play, and I just fell in love with what he does. I'm a, I'm a sucker for honesty. I'm a sucker for personality and people trusting in and leaning in to who they are. Uh, because I think when people lean into who they are, that that is almost them surrendering to the the spirit that is inside of them. Uh, they're not trying to force some identity on the people. And that really just resonates with me. And man, we just hit it off. We were smoking joints up on top of Hotel California. We were staying up until six in the morning, just sharing an acoustic guitar with each other, going back and forth, picking on songs. And, and we hadn't really connected at all since then. But I had uh, seen that Justin put out some new music I wanted to reach out to him. And so we're talking about his process here. We're talking about his favorite flavors of LaCroix. We're talking about his his brand, Acid Boys, which is really a fantastic thing to look into if you guys aren't already familiar with that. With no further ado, the man behind Susto, Mr. Justin Osborne. Fertile with thoughts. I love that. Uh, it's really real, man. Uh, yeah. Something about this Monday, it's, I, I don't know what it is, but Monday feels for me usually like it's like the start of all the momentum i was building from not really like working on saturday and sunday and so it's oh well i was i was kind of being like a lazy bitch on wednesday but then like thursday i was hitting it hard and like oh with that writing session we had on tuesday was great let's try digging into this idea more and like i don't know mondays are but some days it's just like mondays are like just fraught with anxiety is there a certain day of the week where you find the vibe is best with you or 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 worst also comfort I don't know. I also love Mondays because I'm kind of a person on the weekends. I'm like, I don't do a ton of work on the weekends, especially right now. I'm not touring. So I'm like kind of the weekends is family time for me. And so I'm just like, but I'm also having all these ideas come. So Monday's like the day where I'm like, okay, let's hit the ground running. Let's do all this stuff. And, um, I don't know. I don't get, I, I, I am like, I wouldn't say I'm not an anxious person, but I don't have like a day of the week that I think really, I think that's the part of the thing of my schedule has always been so kind of not, normalized to where it's like there's not one day that kind of gets me but i think the normalizing thing's crazy as well because i had this um for it lingers but it's like this idea of like man i wish i a career in 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 music would have more of a normalcy to it Mm -hmm. and then as i get older i'm 25 now and i see it's like i don't know if really normalcy is a thing that is a, a, a solid reality at a hundred percent for pretty much anybody. And the thing that really hit me with that, like feeling good about that, which was kind of, was, was COVID. It was the yeah. quarantine. It's like, man, no one actually uh, has like a, a full set of foundation of, of total stability in their, in their, uh, in their work life or, you know, family life as well. Yeah, well, you also have to learn to be flexible, like with COVID. And it's like, I think with kind of coming from a being flexible just all the time kind of made it easier. But I, I, I found a little bit more, Almost um Lemoncello LaCroix right here, man. There you go. It is the flavor. I haven't had that one yet. I'm a big LaCroix person, but I stick to my Pomplemousse usually. Oh, um, you're a Pomplemousse fellow. Come yeah. on. <laughs> that is the real that's like a um, that's that that's that is that white collar LaCroix. Like you're not going <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay. Well maybe it is. Maybe it is. I like my I like my Pomplemousse. So, you know, I can't I can't say otherwise. But I, I'm I'm a fan of almost every favorite flavor. The coconut one is one I can't really get on board with, which is weird because I love coconut, but either they have the worst R and D team or they're just being <laughs> marketing because everyone says that. Yeah. Everyone's like, I fuck with every flavor. 
except coconut. And it's like, well, damn, sorry. Well, you, you truly, maybe they just hit the code and I, I don't, I, it's, it's crazy. I think the thing that I tried on a recent one where it was like, um, it was blackberry cucumber. Oh like, yeah. I've seen that. Even? Like, it's like bands that keep remastering their album. It's like, <laughs> I don't need five remasters here. Like I'm good. Yeah, it's like, I'm not hearing the differences here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's some dude in some dude's like, no man, we use the same compressor that we used on pet sounds, brother. It sounds better. You got to plug it on in, man. Got to hit the bong. Put yeah, on what, the what are you listening? What are you listening on? You know, like, it's like, Oh, okay. All right. Do you ever think about that when you're making music? The thing that like really freaks me out is like (laughs) talking to engineers. I have a lot of friends that are like engineers, you know, and sound engineers that is. Um, And uh, they're always really worried about the audio of what they're putting out as they should. When most people check out a song for 30 seconds on their iPhone 10 max speaker on Spotify, which already has its own weird compression and, 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 and bit rate settings. Yeah. It's like, no matter what you do, it's like going to kind of be, but that that's like, uh, I don't know. I guess a lot of it too is for the people creating the music too. You, it's like, you know, you want to be able to hear this project you worked on and all its, um, resilience, you know, but it is a shame that a lot of that finesse kind of gets like, funneled into this, this cookie cutter thing to go into the different platforms. But I mean, I think, yep. you know, with vinyl, you can kind of get a little bit of that, but then you're also uh, vinyl. I really do. Yeah. And it's got its own sound to be, then you also have to master to the vinyl too. So it's like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't pretend to be educated in that realm. I'm not an engineer, but yeah. I, uh, I love, like you said, like hearing them kind of nerd out and just be like, no, I'm telling you this, this right here with this frequency, it's going to be, you're going to be able to tell the difference. And, and usually I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I hear that. I think I hear that. Damn. I don't know if I really hear most of the things I think I do. And it makes me feel like my ears are just like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm here. I like will pretend that I hear it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> the thing that I wish people would have told me about, which was like <clears throat> when I was coming up in, in, in school, was like what, what it seems to be like what people truly care about which are not like the guitars you use or like where you recorded or, or what microphone you use. And it's, they really do care about like the most simple, large scale wide net things. And I feel like it's like, it seems to be that way with like even comedy too. It's like, if you listen to like Kevin Hart's jokes for someone who has definitely like a way more niche way of communicating, maybe like Theo Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you fuck with either of those guys on a comedic level, but like true. Truly- I mean, I do to, to an extent. Yeah their subject matter is so different and like Kevin Hart is like just absolutely as wide scale of a reach you could, you really could get. And then Theo right. widely niche or not widely acutely niche. Yeah, uh, specific. Really specific, man. I actually went and saw him the other night here in Nashville. He just moved here. Oh, uh, cool. He's and it's crazy to start to see a comedy scene start to blossom here in Nashville, even amongst the COVID, um, potential shutdowns here. There's been a lot. Yeah. What is the comedy scene like in Nashville? I've never really known much about the comedy scene that we have a small comedy scene here in Charleston. Are you again? You're in Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, oh, you've played here, right? You, I think, you know, my, my buddy, Scotty Fryer, actually, he said that you, um, I love the courthouse or something. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. He's my like go-to luthier guy, or he at least finds the right people. For, I'm, I'm always breaking guitars accidentally. It's not even on purpose. It's not even rock and roll. I just break guitars. How you bring it to what, what do you mean? How are you breaking guitars? Not rock and roll. It's a certain brand of guitar that I play that I won't name that the, the neck, the heads, the necks where the neck meets the headstock just does not hold up for me and my traveling and my, <laughs> I guess I'm not careful enough. It's like, you know, name them. they might be like, Hey, Justin, you want to do a signature model? 
and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, let's do like a steel neck. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, uh, Scotty calls me the Michael Jordan of breaking guitars because I just like every month I'm like, dude, I got another one. And most of them have broken multiple times. And it's like those fixes become, you know, but anyway, yeah, he was, he was talking about you the other day. He just had a little baby girl and I went to go see them and pick up a, a broken guitar from him. <laughs> but, oh. but yeah, I'm in Charleston. Man, um, I love Charleston. When we, when we first um, started touring, Scotty was, was the fella that actually like helped me start touring. And, um, what is it? Is it his, what's his daughter's name? Margo. Yeah. Margo. Margo. Yeah, man. So she's, beautiful. They sent me, I'm brand new. Just a couple weeks old. Man, it's, I'm looking at a photo Scotty sent me. Um, he asked me to like sign a vinyl for, for Margo. Speaking of vinyl and speaking of Scotty and speaking yeah. of family, which is so funny. And he sent me this photo of him and Marie, his, his wife. Yeah. And then Margo and Marie's like holding Margo and then Scotty's holding my vinyl right next to Margo. It's like, <laughs> what is this? You know, and man, I think there's like, um, Scotty to me, which I, I bet a lot of listeners can relate to this, which is like, um, there are people that you meet in your life along your journey that you are very much so confident that you were intended to be that, meet that person. They were to be totally. eyes on for the baton. That is your goal. Yeah. Um, and man, Scotty was that guy for me. He called me um, when he saw I was doing like three, four shows that I booked about a hundred mile radius outside of Nashville, just emailing people waking up at 6.30, like practicing guitar and then sending out a hundred emails to, yeah. to anywhere and anyone. Yeah, and one out of every 10 get back. And I ended up booking a tour and it was like four days. And it was the first story ever did. I rented a van. And as we were backing up out of the alley, um, in, um, in Knoxville, we fucking, the alley was too narrow and it was like a Mercedes Sprinter and it just straight up knocked off the, dude, I feel like I know the exact alley in Knoxville. You're Preservation about. Yes. Yes. I used to book myself there too. And we had, we would squeeze into that alley and like, you're coming back. I know exactly what you're talking about. Did you really? So you and I faced the same we face the same um, problems in life on that specific. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, we were just trying to get the word out, you know, trying to get, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little difficult when you're trying to book yourself, but places like Prez pub or like, you know, they'll, they'll give you a hundred bucks and a pizza and like, let you play, you know, it's, it's those are special spots. But. And they really are. And you load in through the back, which are like yeah. right by the bathrooms. And so all these yeah. people are like, can you please get the fuck out of my way? I need- <laughs> bathroom <laughs> it's fucking gross back there too but in that alley is like i'm surprised you were able to get it we had this like old dodge van but the sprinter i guess the sprinters are pretty thin though too but um yeah it's the new one it was a guy who like lived with his mom and he like um he like rented out this sprinter and that's like all he did and that's, uh, his, that's his job it yeah. was gig and he was great and he worked with me because like i still like there was a while there i was working downtown on broadway and i had like probably like ten thousand dollars in cash just I was living off of like circulating for years. Yeah. So like the first um, like time I went to go and invest in a tour, it was going to cost me like, I think close to like just $700 in van fees for, for three days. Right. Said, oh man, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you for five. It's like, it's all good, man. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. He was a nice guy. I felt really bad when I knocked off that mirror. Uh, cause he, he really was fucking pissed. He did not take it well at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you had to be like, Hey man, uh, I mean, wow. Yeah. I've, that day too. So we, man, this is, I, it's so funny. Cause I think your resume in life, I'm, I'm 25. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, but I think when you're, uh, what I've experienced so far is that oh, your resume really is just a collection of the shit that's happened to you. That totally, makes you yeah. 
Yeah. Like it's it. like little, little small lessons you learn, like, you know, in alleys after shows or on stage talking to fans or, you know, just little things you pick up. I think traveling and touring is a, a really cool way to learn about yourself and also about the world and navigating the world too. You know, I'm thankful for that sort of classroom. It's a classroom, is it not, my friend, mm-hmm. right? It's a yeah. platform that is public in which there is a lot of learning and dialogue that's happening. And there's a lot of opinions and methods being thrown around, which is what a classroom should be. I remember in, uh, shout out to Miss Young, who's awesome, also bought a, she's cool, follows up with like, it's cool to like see teachers follow you, follow you like after school. Oh yeah. Which I'm sure you have several of those. Miss Young always had, she was very pertinent that we have Socratic seminars. Um, I could, what I was that, it was like Socratic seminar. A Socratic seminar to my recollection, which, which is very, you know, so I graduated in 2013 and now it's 2020. So I think I had her class from 2012 to 2013 or 2011, 2012, which is crazy. Um, you use basic like Socratic forms of discussion, uh, rules, uh, to go about talking about what was an English class, uh, fiction and, and nonfiction that, that we were mm-hmm. discussing. And, um, the person talking is, is, is you don't uh, negate their opinion immediately. Um, you try to not directly infiltrate what you're saying, but you try to arrive at a common conclusion via questions. Mm. So if you're trying to engage in somebody's opinion um, and, and perhaps inject what you're feeling, you do so via questions. You yeah, don't, okay, you, cool. Hey, fuck face, you're wrong. <laughs> right? So like Facebook, yeah. so non-Socratic. Like yeah, yeah. The opposite of basically what we see on Facebook right now. Yeah. Here we go, Right. Oh uh, man, it's like, and that doesn't like the thing about like going about touring and things like that. It's like, man, it's, it really is a magical, it really is a magical experience to be able to somehow not die and somehow right. make money yeah. and somehow make music. Yeah. And when you're playing in a room, that's speci- like it, life sometimes is so, it's like always, there's so many pixels that you can't even really comprehend the magnitude of what's happening. But if you really think about a show, um, which is like what this Nashville comedy scene, I went to my first comedy show here in town the other day and it reminded me, when you're in a room on a Friday night on uh, November 20th, that night is never happening again. Right. Like that, yeah. Those people in that moods, in their moods and wearing the leather jackets that they wore, you know, and being like them, you know, some dudes got on Jordan, some dudes got on Birkenstocks. And then this waitress is working here and she's paying her way through college and she's terrified of getting COVID. It's like everyone with where they're at in their life, with their specific sets of problems and successes and who they are and who they're representing themselves to be. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of energy. And that's in one room. Culminated. Yeah, Absolutely. It's intense. It's never, it only happens one time. I really miss that experience. I know, man. Same. That's like, because I, I love that the way, the way you're de- not describing it, but really just kind of explaining because that is really something that's dawned on me. It's like all these people and, it, and it's, I think long tours, it can be easy to lose sight of that. But like, you have to remember that like everyone who shows up, this is like a big, they may not go to a maybe one show a month, maybe one show a year. Yeah. Um, but then there's also everyone who's working there. And, and then there's the bands that have, you know, somehow all these people met and formed a band to play. And then there's, you know, they've traveled and, and made it. And it's like, there's a lot of energy that, that comes together for those moments. And it's like, and you're right, you can't ever get it back. You can get a recording of a show or a comedy show yep. or whatever, but it's, uh, you know, and that's really just kind of like a, an echo of the moment. But I, it's, I love those moments. I mean, I, 
I think that's what got me addicted to touring, you know, to like booking the next show and doing it again, you know? Whoa, man. So when we met, I, we were down in, um, Mexico. Yeah. Baja. Baja. Come on. In uh, California. And you, you guys had the nice room, like the really dope. We did. On the top and truly magical, like very beautiful. And I don't know why I'm speaking in such like euphemisms and, uh, like large avant-garde words, maybe it's just because the week hasn't kicked my ass yet. But there is a massive <laughs> vibe. Yeah. There's really uh there's a for everyone who's never been, and man, I didn't get a chance to go this year. Were you down there? Uh yeah, I was. I did not have the nice room this year though. I uh That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh we showed so like the year that I met you, we showed up and I had my whole band with me and yes, we all we the suits that was there, right? Yeah, and yep. we didn't bring instruments because we thought there was going to be like backliner that's how i borrowed your guitar and thank you oh wait, you borrowed my I, I i told you every time i see you i'm going to thank you for that because you saved my butt uh oh, man, but, come on that's um, but so you know the guys in the in the cordovas they had me back again and this is actually my this was my third year going down there um but this time i was like staying behind this laundry mat like in this like oh, total, total different yeah, totally different than the than the Hotel California. It was like across the street from the Hotel California, but it was oh, like yeah. I fell asleep one night and had some guys come in and was speaking to me in Spanish and woke me up and I was like what saying that like my room hadn't been paid for and I was like whoa, whoa. I, I like handed them the pesos I had in my pocket and I was like I thought it was supposed to be paid for. I it's like but it was fine, you know, that's like part of it. And I love yep. you know, I love those guys for throwing that and for you know get, I mean, airfare is fine too. I, I can I can fend for myself with the little bit of Spanish I have, but it was just funny the juxtaposition of that first year. We were like, yeah, stayed in like the penthouse. Yeah. And then, like the next year, I'm like behind the laundry room. I was like, well, this is great because it was both experiences were um, were enjoyable but different. But yeah, man, very present and aware observation, right? Because. <sighs> The yin and yang in life is the most consistent reality you can guarantee that you're going to find both joy and friction with. Mm. And it's like, whoa. So if you go ahead and try to make a conscious effort to not to try to project the forecast of how something should or shouldn't go, you're more apt to be aware in taking in the trivial trials that yeah. life will present for you. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, I, and, and you're right. And it's like, there's like, you have to enjoy the, the yin and the yang. You, you have to be ready for both. And, you have no choice because it's way older than even humans. Right. Yeah. I love that's. I think that's what I love about the traveling and and like you know the the the, the festival in, in Baja is like an extreme example of that because we're like in Mexico. But even when you're playing like Des Moines or somewhere, you know, I you love can, Des Moines. I do too. You know, and you can have like a you know a great experience or a trying experience. You know, I think those things. You know, you don't have to be traveling all over the world to feel that, but we're lucky as musicians to get those opportunities to travel, you know, into exotic places that I probably would never have gone to if I wasn't doing what I do now, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, there's no reason. It's funny. It's like music again. What an abstract thing. Like how are you going to justify that within the same season? Not even alone the same year. I'm going to be even the same business quarter. I'm going to be in Mexico, Anaheim, California, Panama city beach, Burlington, Iowa, Nashville, Tennessee. Like, why? What do you yeah, do? No, totally. like, what's that person doing? It's like, oh, I, that person plays music. If you're an yeah. alien, the alien's like, well, what's music? No, it's just like, well, they go up there and they like, they sing into something with something like vibrations coming out of the mouth that they call words and they mean certain things. And then they also play these instruments that are made of wood that have steel on them. 
And but how do they hear them? It's like, well, we have magnets. Well, how do magnets work? How does it travel across air? You're like, what? Like, we it's really like, well, are. We can, we can, we're going to need to sit down for this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, will you please grab me my Pomplamoose LaCroix? I need to fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's going on real quick. <laughs> yeah, man. Explaining music to an alien would be crazy. And then I, also explaining the people that do it and how they just kind of like are. I, mean, I, I feel you on what you're talking about, like to it. And it's like, it's kind of a surreal thing where you're like, um, especially in like in an album cycle year where it's like, yep. for me, like a couple of years ago, well, like we start right after I saw you in Mexico, we had a, a record come out like a month after that. And so we were what was in Mexico. It was called Ever Since I Lost My Mind. And we put I, it out with, with Rounder. They're, they're based in Nashville. I love Rounder, man. If I could be on a label, it would be Rounder. Well, I'm, I, I, I love that you said that. I love Rounder too. And they, yeah. they've been a really great home for us. John's um, mom and everyone over there. Yeah, John. Yeah, he's great. Um, but so we were in Mexico to start the year. And then before some... And I had... My daughter was born in June. So between January and June, we did a fully North American tour, went to Europe and then came back. And I was like, my body was just like, oh, human body was... I don't know. We're like pushing it with all this traveling, but but it was worth it. It's a good story, you know. It's like fun to look back on. Whoa, your daughter was born then. Yeah, I was on tour for like ten weeks, and then came home ten days before she was born, and then I had to go back on tour ten days after she was born. So my wife is like my hero. She's awesome. Your wife is your partner. Yeah, totally, absolutely, my best friend, hundred percent. She paid my first record, the first Susto record that we put out. Like I was so broke, I couldn't even pay for it to get mastered. And so she like is a teacher, right? And she paid like the two hundred bucks to get it like mastered by this guy who's like doing it in his house or whatever. She's like, I believe in you. You're going to do this. And the first tour I went on, like uh, it was over her summer break, and we like booked it ourselves, and we went over. It was like ten weeks. We went all around the U.S. and she's super supportive. And she's she's my best friend. She's she awesome. came with you on tour during your summer, her summer break. Yeah. And I think that kind of really helped lay the foundation for me because that was kind of the start of like what became pretty much nonstop touring from until COVID hit. And so I think like her traveling with me on it really helped her kind of understand that, yeah, there's a lot that's fun about it, but it's also work, you know, and it's like, you know, this is what she kind of understands where I'm going. Cause she's been those places with me before, you know, I kind of started doing it. With the band. Oh wow! So that allows you because it is an avant-garde thing to have one profession be so static within the town, mm-hmm. and then one one form of what you do, which is pre-COVID constant travel, constant right, yeah. movement. Even when you're um, even when you're home, you're working on the next wave of a release. Right. Totally. Yeah. Or getting ready to leave again, you know, or just like, you know, because there's work you're doing, you know, I mean, like, even if I'm not in the studio or not on tour, there's like a ton of work to be done. There's communications to have. There's like, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, but the great thing, I mean, my wife, she's a teacher because she loves her summers. So in the summer, she's always traveling with us. And, um, you know, last summer, our, our daughter was very new. So she didn't leave for that. But like next summer, we're going to go out and hopefully there'll be some some socially distanced opportunities. If not, we're just going to travel. She loves to travel. I love to travel. Our little one is full of energy and I'm re- I'm looking forward to those like times in the summer where it's like, all right, daddy's doing the festival circuit, like school's out. Let's, let's get in the van and, and go, you know, man, it is my dream. I, I, I get like these, um, I get like when I like really try to, and I'm not feeling it, man. I try to sit down and think about just really visualize a moment that would be beautiful. And my dream is to see my child like side stage with headphones on. Right. Yeah. Those like little, 
the little, we have some of those. I was before I was a dad, I was like, I'm going to get some of those little headphones for my little girl. And she's, she's got some turquoise ones. She loves them. Oh, turquoise. She has my favorite stone. I mean, that is the one that's beautiful. Whoa. Do you think, um, so do you guys have shows booked for next year? Yeah. I mean, everything we had, we were kind of wrapping up our album cycle when all this kind of happened. So How long was your album cycle? <clears throat> uh, it was, I mean, it started kind of in Mexico with, with you like in 2019 and then lasted until it was supposed to kind of go through like the end of summer in 2020, but we canceled like shows from March until like August. And, uh, and those were just kind of some regional shows. They were markets we had already played kind of at the beginning of the album cycle. So we were kind of ready to switch into the studio. And so that's kind of what we did. And so it's been, we were kind of lucky in that way that the timing, we literally finished the last tour of the album cycle a week before everything shut down. And so, oh, so before the 13th of March, you finished the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We got home like the 4th of March or something. Oh my God. Oh my God. How beautiful is that? I felt lucky. I felt like we kind of dodged a bullet, but. We were in, um, we were in, um, we were supposed to be playing Raleigh, rather Charlotte, rather at, um, at, uh, the evening news. Oh, I um, love that place. The day of the pandemic. Have y'all played there? Man, we, I, yeah, I kind of got, I mean, I'm from the Carolinas, so I got my start yeah. kind of, that was one of the places I would email. I would pretend to be my own booking agent and it was actually oh, just me. And I'd be like, hi, this is RJ with screen door booking. I'd like to book. Cause my old band, I did DIY touring with my old band for like almost a decade from like when I was 17 to 27. Nick shoulders does the, he came from the DIY scene too. Are you familiar with Nick shoulders? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He's just got some really stellar YouTube videos where he just has his character really bleeds through in a nice way. And um, I've yet to see him live, but he comes from that DIY scene too, man. And I can feel that energy from you. That seems to be just in your blood. Am I right? I, I'd say so. I mean, it's kind of like I've, I've, like I've always lived in the Carolinas too. And we don't have like the, the infrastructure that you would have in like Nashville or New York or LA or right. somewhere like that. So it's always kind of been a do it yourself thing. And, but that was fun. It was also like, we weren't, I was my old band. We weren't that good. So it was like, you kind of had to DIY just to find some people who was like, okay, we'll have these kids play. Maybe they can bring like 12 people out or something. And, <laughs> right. But it was fun. It was just basically, I don't know. Yeah. I'm thankful for the DIY stuff, but also, you know, I don't think I could do it like that now. I'm glad to have a booking agent and a manager and all this stuff, you know, but it's crazy to see like, <clears throat> So probably the past four weeks, there's been a lot of shows happening back in town again. And it's mm -hmm. cool to see the people who are, who are sticking with it and the people who are finding ways to persist and come on through. And man, having a team is, is the most crucial thing. And being through like throughout quarantine, it, there was a lot of time, man, where I was just by myself, just really yeah. lost in thought, just thinking. And the value of a team is something that is more apparent and more pungent to me in my thought process than ever, you know? And so even if it's, that's, that's a team, it sounds like you've done a phenomenal job with that in your life. Cause you have it on both the relationship with your wife and then you also have it on the business level. And then your bandmates seem to be stellar people. Are you, are y'all still doing the thing together or, or are there? Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And I, and I agree. I think I really kind of just been lucky. Um, Sorry, my throat a little bit. <clears throat> a weird time to be coughing. I'm coughing now, and it's like people are. No, you feel like, bad, right? I guess, but like y'all, like ragweed's still real. 
Like, yeah, I right. <laughs> I coughed, like, I was coughing before this stuff, you know, before 2020. Yeah, it's like what? But, there's a real lack of sense of humor right now. It's really like everyone. Oh, I know. I know. Everyone's on edge, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, t- I, I'm still. I still got the same guys that you met in Mexico. Um, wow. They're oh, all. Man. They're all great. They're awesome. I mean, I've. They're all just stellar guys. I mean, like my drummer. They're all like kind of multi-talented as well. Like my drummer does all my merch design and poster design. He's a phenomenal visual artist. He like went to school for that stuff, and then my guitar player does all our kind of visual production and takes photos and stuff. And he's also produces some and it's great. You know, I, I have incredibly talented people I'm working with and that, you know, like that's just been so great through all this. Cause we're all kind of like, okay, we're going to get through this together. And I have been playing when I have played, it's been mostly solo, but we just because of the restrictions and stuff. But, right. um, but at the same time, you know, we're making sure everybody's taken care of and we've been doing a lot of studio stuff. So everybody's been, you know, having work to do and staying busy and, I love the team. I'm grateful for them because I'm, I don't know, I've toured solo before and I know like how much I lose my mind and I'm not, you know, it's nice to have people I trust kind of that I know have my back. So, Oh man, man, is that not the realest thing? Yeah. The, the, the opportunity to be able to trust somebody, if not is as much, but if not more than you can trust yourself. I mean, how right. cool is that to having a, a period of success at any scale of longevity? Like if, I, I t- if that totally ball's rolling, agree. man, you need help. <laughs> you just absolutely. Get, you it's it. like we got this ball's going. Can you help me push it? Let's go. <laughs> Crazy man, it's wild. Yeah. It's really a heavy experience. There's what about you? I mean, what's yeah. so? What's your? I know I, I I haven't seen you play live since Mexico, but I mean, I know I've seen some of your videos. Oh. Your tour. I I love that you uh that you after your shows, do you always take a photo with the crowd? I think that's oh, yeah. so special. It kind of goes back to what you're talking about that moment being special, but like. So like, what's your, like the guys that you play with, is it kind of rotating or do you guys, you have a set, a set group of folks or what? I have, uh, in the cosmic country band, there's Nick Fry and Jake Bostic. And then we've been playing with a new drummer named Kirby Bland, who is cool. He's from Arkansas and he showed up to the audition with a, uh, I swear to God, a Prius with a, a white Prius with a NASA space sticker on the back and on the gas cap. And then on the interior, there's LED strip lights. And then there's a literal space shuttle on the dashboard. <laughs> like yeah. this guy is the awesome. country drummer. And love uh, that. he's played in like all these, like um, he's really young too. He's a phenomenal human, really genuine and kind guy. And uh, he's just the perfect drummer, man. Loves Steve Jordan, loves dark symbols, loves vibe, you know, loves smoking weed. So he's chill. <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't want. I don't. If if I I got to be the person who's wired in the band. The drummer needs. Yeah. To <laughs> um, yeah. and Fry is my right hand man. He is. He's my absolute. He. I need that guy. Yeah, he's one of my best friends too in the world. Um, he sings harmony with me, and then I just run all of my ideas past him. Vocal tracks. Yeah. Um, lyrics, demos. We write together all the time, and um, man, anytime that I've gone so around the road since we've been playing together, he's also there with me helping. We yeah. once did a. Th- we once drove to, to to open up for Blackberry Smoke on a Saturday. We drove to Brooklyn in my Toyota Corolla S on Friday. Drove home Saturday night at one in the morning, straight through the fucking night. Oh back man, to Nashville, Tennessee, and I drove the whole time. I was on this rush from playing Brooklyn <laughs> and William. Oh, I love Brooklyn Ball. Yeah. Oh yeah, man! Shout out to Brooklyn Ball and and and, and there's one in Nashville now too. I haven't been to it yet. It's been there yet? Yeah, man. I've ne- I've not been there, but they've um <coughs> Strings has played there, Larkin Poe, Isbell's played there. 
uh, Wild Feathers just did a show there. I think it's really cool. It's really cool. cool. It sounds great. I have some, I have some friends who are working with the venue, but I haven't been to it yet. But I love the one in Brooklyn. It's awesome. It was like the first like New Year's that my wife and I were together. We went up to New York um, to spend. I think we were on our way to Vermont because her family lives in Vermont, and like. We were spending New Year's Eve in Brooklyn and like we were going to meet with some of her friends like after New after midnight or whatever. Right. We didn't know what we were going to do. So we were like looking, we we're like, uh, and I had never been to Brooklyn, but I'd barely even been to New York at this, t- this time. I've been a few times this before. Susto was really a thing. And uh, we looked and we saw that uh, there was a show at Brooklyn Bowl and it was um, Delta Spirit. I don't know if you remember the band Delta Spirit. It was uh, Matt Vasquez's band. They were on Dual Tone. But, um, What's the song? Do they have a couple songs? Uh, oh man, I'm sorry. I, I, I set you up to put me on the spot. So I'm sorry. My, my, my sister's gonna be so pissed because she's like a huge Delta Spirit fan. She's gonna be like, you can't name a single song. Whoa, um, man, there's a lot to remember in life right now. There is. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna real quick. Reason. You got, you got. Okay. It ain't easy. California, Yamaha. Okay. The Bushwick Blues. These are all coming back to me now, but, um, okay. can we play one? Uh, I, I can, but it's going to be like, I'm on my headphones. I don't know if you'll hear it or not. Oh, that's all good. You Maybe t- you can. Yeah, anyway. You're the, you're the host anyway. You can, you can, you know, you know what you're doing. I do. Um, I at least I, know what I'm doing and that helps, <laughs> but I really don't. <laughs> I never know what I'm doing, but, but we went, so we stumbled into this show and it was at Brooklyn Bowl and I'd never been there. And it was awesome. It was New Year's Eve that we got to see Delta Spirit. They kicked ass and, wow. um, and then like these balloons dropped and stuff. Yep. And that was my, so like, Yep. A couple of years later, when we finally got to go back and play at Brooklyn Bowl, I was like, dude, this is, you know, this is full circle. It's awesome. I love that place. Oh, wow, man. Playing Brooklyn Bowl is very fun. It's very strange because there's people. It's so ball- strange. Yeah. People fucking bowling, eating. I didn't realize. Yeah. The whole stage left is like, you're like, you know, you got the crowd in front of you, but then like there's just like a fucking bowling alley right there. Humans are so strange. Like, again, <laughs> if you were to remove the fact that being human is an assumed form of consciousness, it's not like right. if you were to observe these animals, you'd be like, what in God's name is literally happening in this room right now? You know what I mean? These like people on this elevated surface are being really loud. Yeah. They're uh, really- <laughs> and, and then these other people are throwing these balls at these pins and also being really loud. And it's just like those two loudnesses are competing and the people in the audience seem to be unaware, but the people <laughs> on stage seem like maybe they're aware you can hear, tell on that stage. You can like hear the bowling. It's like, you can hear it, my friend. We were playing acoustic. So my agent, who is one of my favorite mentors, uh, shout out to Doug, um, we weren't able to get Blackberry Smoke to agree to a full band opener. So we were acoustic, which is, you know, which is interesting. It happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It absolutely is. And it was fun. I enjoy um, Necessity is the Mother Invention, right? I think T.S. Eliot. Right. I don't know. He had cool glasses, uh, T.S. Eliot. Yeah. Um, you know, the necessity thing, we drove and we played acoustic, we figured out looping situations and we figured out a pedal boards for our guitars and we're like, man, this will this will compensate for the sound. And as David Blaine talks about in all of his magic, he's like, like 30% of what happens up there, I'm not expecting to happen until we execute. Right. You can't plan for those things. And I, who the fuck thought 10 years plus in the music industry, I, I would never have thought to have prepared for the, the echo of bowling pins right. reverberating through our monitors and causing feedback. Totally a thing. It's like, it's the most disorienting. Like, I love that place, right? But at the same oh, time, because yeah. I have, you know, I have memories there, but like at the same time, it's like 
that's why I was, I'm curious about the one in Nashville. Is it like yeah. a similar setup or is it like a different room where the bowling is? Or do you know? I've never been in. Okay. Yeah. I've not been, I've just seen the live we will show see. from there. Yeah, we will yeah. see. There's a lot of change. Nashville's a great, great place. If you can ignore what people want you to think and want you to say, you, if you just observe Nashville, there is a lot of change and activity happening here mm-hmm. on that radiate in all directions exponentially possible. And Did you grow really, up in Nashville? I grew up outside of Nashville in a small okay. town on Spring Hill, Tennessee, about an hour. Okay, ago. cool. Beautiful place to live. Nice. I dream of living right outside of there in Leapers Fork one day because it's just like really a phenomenal place to, to, to grow up. And <clears throat> Nashville, I didn't even know like was a thing until I was playing guitar for two years, until I even discovered what country music was. I never even really knew. Right. Nashville was the epicenter of this human-based music which yeah. is all about just truth and, and simple chords and right stories, and stories. Right. And it's, you know, it's crazy. And, and then traveling to New York, traveling to LA and making music out in those places. I re- I really feel comfortable with Nashville. Um, yeah. I love Nashville. I, um, I mean, I've, like I said, I've never moved, but I, as far as like most of my team is based in Nashville. And I think just being from the Carolinas, it's like kind of like Nashville feels like a close cousin, you know? So it's like, um, I feel really comfortable in Nashville. I love there. I love the music scene too. Like not just the big one that you see on television, but the actual musicians who are, you know, getting on the, doing the bus calls and going out and playing with great folks. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a town full of folks that I can relate to like on a road level, you know what I mean? And friends that I've met at, you know, elsewhere that a lot of them live there. It's definitely a hub. And I love, when I get to go visit to do a writing session or something like that, just to get, there's so many, I can see so many friends in such a short amount of time because there's such a concentration of folks that I'm uh, kindred with living there. So I love Nashville. Do you, um, with writing, do you, how, what, what's been your, your like past like eight weeks, what's been going on? Have you been writing much or? Um, I haven't been, I guess in the last eight weeks, I've probably written maybe three or four songs. I don't, I don't do, I'm not a really active writer. I write kind of like the ether comes, like I put an album out every two or three years and that's kind of just a collection of whatever 15 to 20 songs I've, I've written in that year base and then I just whittle it down to, you know, something 10 to 13, something like that. But so I've been mostly kind of, I wrote a couple songs in the last month, but, um, I kind of already have my record written. So I've been kind of working more on just recording it and getting the, the translation of it in the studio. Right. Um, but then after we kind of got, you know, done and I was done really early, the label was like, well, we're not really ready for you to even deliver this to us yet. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep writing, keep recording. So I've, I've been doing a little bit. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I try not to overwrite. I don't, I don't know. Yep. I'm not, I'm just not, uh, I have a lot of other stuff I've been picking up during these times too. I've like, been talking with. like I was talking to Afy from Bahamas and he's been into like salmon fishing. Cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, there you go. Like there is a... I'm going fishing this afternoon, actually. I'm going out on the boat because it's great to live so close to the water. It's like... What kind of fishing things. do you get? I, I don't really know because I haven't been doing a ton of fishing. I, I'm a big... I've been getting really into kayaking and I've been working... I doing, I've been, kayaking, man. It's, oh it's, it's the best, man. I love it. And, and I... Um, and I went out on uh, his birthday and we got... It's too high. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, there's nothing like getting high and going kayaking though, man. That's the best. <laughs> too high for the first time. I was my first kayaking at 25 and it was too high, sir. You guys were on, what river were you on? 
I don't know. Off the top. <laughs> no. We were in Kentucky though. And man, okay. parents are just, they have a beautiful property out in Franklin, Kentucky, which is oh, a pretty cool. affluent area. Yeah. And his dad's cousin, my friend Kyle's name is uh, Kyle Daniel. And I'm, you know, Daniel. It's an auto. And his dad's name is legally I, Daniel Daniel. But everyone calls him Danny Daniel. Um, That's awesome. And I, I I'd only met him in passing really. And so we show up for Kyle's birthday to, uh, to like, uh, go, he has a whole like legion of friends. Um, his fiance, Kristen organized the whole thing. We show up to his parents, like brand new property in house after building and Kyle's there and his dad's there. And it's like early in the morning, we left early and he's like, yep, I'm gonna die here. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. That's yeah, what that's... I want. I want to build the house that I'm going to be proud to say I die at. Like, that's right. beautiful. And then we went, like, walked around the property and showed us, like, all the soybean farms and other farms they have. And, like, they have a separate house on the property for when, when he, like, goes hunting so he doesn't, like, wake up his wife. And, like, and he, it, man, it, it, it was heavy. And then we, uh, we got high as fuck out there and then we went out kayaking. And, man, there is something about the sound of the sound of what is just happening in nature. Oh, it really is it. musical. I love it, man. That's kind of like what I've been doing like in the, in the quarantine. It's just like wanting craving being in nature. And then it wow. kind of like, it's led me to do a lot more. And also, you know, just being traveling so much, I haven't spent a lot of time in my community and, and the low country of South Carolina is just absolutely gorgeous. Right. And so I've been kayaking in a lot of these tidal creeks, exploring around Charleston. And, tidal Creek. What is that? Oh, it just has tides. It, yeah. It's just like, it fills with the tide and then it kind of dries up a little bit when the tide goes out. But there's like, you know, there's lots of rivers around here too. And, um, and also I started like doing a couple of days a week working with the forestry service, just kind of to kill time. And cause I wanted to be out working in the woods. And so I'm doing that and just, you know, hobbies. I've always been interested in nature and science. And so like I, and I kind of had to put that stuff on a shelf to pursue my biggest passion, which was songwriting and playing and, and connecting with people. So, but this year has been a great way for me to kind of like an unexpected chance for me to get to like live those things, you know, because once this is over, I, I look forward to picking back up and touring again and doing all that stuff. But it's been really great to, um, you know, and I don't, I don't think I'll ever do it quite as hard as I have in the last five years. Cause this year has also taught me that like, you know, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. I love being close to my friends. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, I, I can cut it back from, from 200 shows a year. I think you could probably get, get away with 75 or something, you know, you were doing 200 shows a year close to, well, if not 200 shows on the road, 200 days, at least that's, um, that's, yeah, like you could call it like what people don't mean, like what people don't get is like a show is not one day. Right. Yeah. A show especially, is not- especially where we're at, like we had our back against the ocean. So if we go out to that's the great thing about Nashville. You guys can kind of go out, you know, and dip for a few days in a lot of different directions. But when we Nashville go, we're the most cosmic state, man. Like it yeah. It aside from any political partisan uh, objection that you might have, like you're gonna talk about the amount of amount of music and that that's come out totally. of it. And just like also the, the the amount of trade that happens here, and it's just like it's beautiful, and it's it's, a, it's an incredibly center, yeah. It's wonderful, man. Yeah, it's a great center because it's like a it's southern, but it's also like it's got it's close to the Midwest. It's not yeah. too far from the Northeast, like you're saying, driving to New York, and you could, you're you're already from my perspective, it's like you're on your way west, like in Nashville. It's it's great, and it's such a hub, like you said, like just the volume of entertainment quality, amazing, like impactful entertainment, 
specifically in music, but in all, in all, all sorts of different like arenas that comes out of that city and just that, that area. I love it. It's beautiful. We're spe- it's a special thing about America. Nashville is, it's like a very American place too. You know, it's like, it really, you know, like, my friend. Yeah, it really is. It really is an American place. That's the whole thing I've been, I've been really trying to get on lately is American art. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a beautiful thing to, uh, to live in a, in a town where that really is appreciated. Like that's actually mm-hmm. part of the currency of, of, of what Nashville deals and exports and produces. It's, it's pretty much the capital of that. I would say, I mean, you know, like wow. if you want to, but I mean, I mean, you know, not to, cause New York and LA are very yeah. international cities, you know, and not to say Nashville's not, but it's like, it's, it's got a, a heartbeat, like an, an American heartbeat, you know, that's like, um, there's more barbecue food than vegan food here. Yeah, <laughs> and I love vegan food, but I also love barbecue. So, you know. Man, I was vegan for two years. You went two years. I, I lasted about two months. And then I, I uh, <laughs> my bandmates were like, you got to eat some meat, dude. You're uh, in a bad mood. When I'm on the road, it is, um, it is meat pretty much only and then nuts and fats. Like mm, yeah. pretty much that only. When I'm, when yeah, I'm, because everything else is processed. You're going to run into a lot of that, man. And it's a sign. Yeah. You know, but it's like sometimes the healthiest thing you can yeah. get in a gas station is beef jerky. I can't do it. I just pack. I go to Whole Foods and I say, "Fuck!" I just have. We're a Whole Foods band too. Yeah, we are a Whole Foods band. That's beautiful. <laughs> Honestly, if these grocery if these grocers would start record labels, it'd be insane. Oh, I know they could just like they could pay um, the bands and and free uh, and free uh, organic food. You know, it'd be great. Uh, man, that's insane. We ordered something from uh, Whole Foods. Uh, and it was in our house in 27 minutes, not even 30. It's like, that freaks me out. Wait, I did not know Whole Foods delivers. It threw Prime Fresh. Oh, okay. Okay. See, okay. I got you. See, I'm, I'm such a Ludite when it comes to that stuff. I don't use any delivery thing. What's I'm like, a Ludite? I don't know that word, dude. Oh, sorry. That's like a, um, uh, it's like a, someone who's uh, re- um, reluctant to, to adapt with technolo- technological change. Oh, do you find that that... It- affects your, your, your creation process. Oh yeah. I mean, I have like, I, when we were talking about doing the podcast, I have like no mic set up or anything in my house. I don't rec- mm-hmm. ever record any of my own stuff. I'm like, I'm not really a Luddite dude. I got like a, I got like a, an iPhone and shit, you know, but it's you like, you gotta have an iPhone now. That might be more of the cost of admission at a bare minimum to be able to right. in a professional manner to, to establish a business team. Right. Cause you got to have flexibility of schedule, but you also have to have a good amount of intimacy with time. You have to be responsive and it's right, like, totally. So I get that. I get why you would have a phone. And I have a lot of friends that are, that I have friends that do seven figures a year and they have a phone that has a home button. It's like, Hey, if you figure out it works for you, that's, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I right. That's yeah. I, uh, I did. I, 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 I'm sure oh, that I will. Out. That just cut out there because oh, the zoom sucks a little. You're good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Also my, my headphones oh, are, like I said, this is just a more, okay. more. <laughs> You're knocking out of the fucking park here. This is amazing. I'm loving this. But I, uh, I haven't, I haven't adopted any of the, um, delivery services and all my friends are like, no, oh, you could just Uber eats that or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I Uber and stuff, but I don't like, I don't have Uber eats on my phone. No, I don't do that either. What about, do you do Amazon prime? Uh, I think my wife does. My wife's that's another thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, I kind of like depend. Yep. Yeah, you got that. Y'all got that yin and yang going on. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, so if at your studio or your room, where, wherever it is, the center where you're creating your domain, you don't have like a doll, you don't have logic, you don't have any way to record. 
No, so I, I record my friend and producer and my closest collaborator. His name's Wolfgang Zimmerman, and he and I have been making... What is that man's name? Are you kidding me? But there was a fella... Is that legally his name, Wolfgang Zimmerman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, he's, someone pulls him over, they're pulling over the Wolfgang Zimmerman? Yeah, in the flesh. Yeah, totally. Fuck out of here, sir. He's Are one of my best friends, and he's uh, he has a studio that's about 10 minutes from my house, and so I work there, and um, and you know we're, we're boys, and he's, he's basically like a ghost member of Susto. He's produced... And play George on. Martin, right? He's the George Martin of Zusto. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's. I think that's why I've also been dependent on him. So I don't really. I mean, I have like uh, Garage Band and I make voice memos. But I, if I'm going to really start developing a song, I, I take it to him. And right. so that's kind of that's just my process. So I don't really need a studio, you know, because I basically help keep the lights on in that studio because I'm just like you know buying time from him all the time, and and it's kind of like it feels like my home studio, even though it's it's his. Something that that I think is going to be a big paradigm shift in um in the music business is the, just the the consciousness of master ownership. I think I'm starting to see a lot of that in dialogue that I have with people <clears throat> that aren't even musicians asking me if I own my masters. Like, okay, so that's that's interesting. Um, and so when it comes to budget to produce music, that has a direct conflict with with master ownership. It has a direct um. Uh, correlation. So when you're, do you, what is your, if, if you, if you, if you feel like sharing, if you don't, that's perfectly fine. But what is your approach to making records? You mentioned DIY. Are you funding records? Or is your label funding records? Or is it a split kind of a thing? And it, it's been different. I mean, my first two albums I put out independently. I mean, we had a, a distribution deal. So I'm working on my fourth Susto album right now. And so on the, the first two, I completely funded them. Um, the second one, I did have some, some investor friends, so it, sure. but there was no master, like sure. that was just, that was not, not even part sure. of the, the conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, but then on my last record with rounder, I mean, they, they funded it. And so of course the mass, they own the masters for a period of time. Uh, but right now, um, you know, I love rounder and I, we're planning and putting the record out, but there, you know, that option hasn't been exercised yet. Not because just because the timing hasn't been right. Sure. Um, yeah. But so I've been funding this one myself. Um, and honestly, it would have been hard to have done that because I was planning, I had shows lined up. I was like, okay, this money is going to be set aside to fund recording. Those shows were the ones that were kind of the backyard market shows that got canceled that we were going to be doing in the spring and the summer. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm out of that funding. But um, the switching to, uh, to virtual shows and people being able to kind of like give the band money and pay for entertainment that way really helped replace that. But then also going back to the team, having a great business manager that was secure SBA loans and stuff. That's kind of allowed me to, to pay for my own recording. So it kind of puts me in a good position as far as negotiating uh, when it comes to it, cause I've almost finished the record and I've paid for all of it so far. So there was a lot of media I had seen when, when I think it was Britain had allocated publicly funds for specifically for music. Uh, I don't know if it was just music venues or if it was content creators within music or I don't know exactly. Um, and I saw a lot of people sharing that getting pissed at like, well, the US doesn't appreciate music and do all this. But I know plenty of people who, if they just did the homework, have gotten SBA loans that allow totally. them to go and fulfill yeah. their project endeavors. I'm a self-employed musician and I also, oh. employ, I also employ other people. And Let's go. Uh, Yep. Because we have our stuff together. I mean, and I, I get it's not easy to get there, but it didn't happen overnight that I had like a business manager and stuff like that. So I feel worse for the people who are like kind of starting out that are maybe where I was 10 years ago. Um, but... Because um, you know, they legitimately have a harder... 
that was talking to Joe Bonamassa about it. It was like, he has a really rational, positive outlook on the world that has definitely been tried and tested true through just the amount of contention and tenure that he has in his career. Um, you, you just can pretty much bet on what he's saying in, in a way where it's going to become from a, a place that's thought out it, it, business-wise. And man, he said, it's harder now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder because of COVID. It's, right. it's going to be harder because of, you know, um, people are going to be maybe hesitant to get out and go see shows. We're not seeing that so much in Nashville that people are just getting right out there. It's the same uh, in the South. I mean, they're finding ways around it because we don't have really cold winters here either. So like up until, you know, now people are even doing, I mean, they kind of, they're kind of winding down the outdoor shows, but people just found ways around it and it's been, you know, innovative. Oh, wow. So you, have you been, <laughs> have you been enjoying the virtual experience? I, uh, I enjoyed it at first. Cause I was like, you know, wow. Okay. I didn't think this was going to work and it worked. Um, and then, I mean, I enjoyed it the whole time. I just haven't really done it much more since in the last few months. So I'm probably going to do a few things here around the new years or something just to, just, I've been a little MIA. Um, I've played like some private socially distanced things, but I haven't done a live stream in a while. And so, I mean, I enjoy it. It's different. It's definitely not the same thing as being no. in a room with no. each other. The comedy show the other night, man, I, I, having had the deprivation from shows, um, a period which actually is, I think if we look at our, if you look at the the timeline of your career in too much of a capitalistic sense, you can you can really come up with a lot of ways to say why COVID was really bad, and you really can. Like mm-hmm. it, it, you have to admit that that earnings would be down, and opportunities to go in and generate opportunities for uh, meet fans and, and and play your show and also make money. Um, those were cut down. But something that really is real is that your brain and your psyche has had time to not experience that, that form of reality, which is the show and the energy thereof. And so when you go back, you're innately going to have a different perspective on it. And Justin, dude, I literally was at this comedy show and felt and almost saw the energy of the collective between the crowd and the performer. Right. You can feel it when a joke is hungry. It's, yeah. Yeah, man. It's wild. It was a pungent thing that was in the air. It wasn't visible, but it was energy. And you could feel that people really do crave this. And so for the people, which I genuinely was scared of, and I don't know if you were, is music gonna come back? Like in yeah. March, like towards like the right. end of March, first couple of days of April. It's like, man, is am I am I is my career a contribution to the problem? And then no, like I'm there the last Friday. It's like not even close. Like we're actually yeah. part of the solution. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I, and I, and it's taken us a little while to kind of see this thing through to kind of understand that. But I think it's going to come back <clears throat> even stronger probably. I think um, just because people are going to have realized what it's like to be, to go without it. Uh, but also at the same time, people have had to get creative and come up with these different experiences that like yep. fit the COVID model that are also adding this new kind of, um, side to what you can do in entertainment these like highly curated special events where like you know i think because for some folks we've done these like shows where there's like a pod that everyone has and they like have they picnic it out and stuff like that it's like a new cool way to see things and yeah i I, i'm I'm very optimistic i I, it's been a hard year but it's uh I, i think on the other side of this, it's, you know, there's some, some venues that I love that aren't coming back, unfortunately, some places that I cut my teeth and that's the sad part to me. But, um, you know, hopefully those places even might find new energy, new life through like new ownership or something like that. I don't know, but, um, 
yeah, it's, it's not going away. People need the music. We need to play it. You know, it's like, it's a vibration that keeps us all together. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be... if, if someone's been doing it longer than you've been alive, like much longer, it's probably not going to go away. Right. You know, yeah. like really like people still wrestle. Yeah. Like, like people have been wrestling. That was the, one of the first Olympic sports was people wrestling. It's like, like, what are you talking? Like, we're not going to stop wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling's not you, stopping. No, wrestling's not stopping. Why are you going to say music older than wrestling? Well, so why would music stop? Like, you know, crazy. Taking like, I think it's like, I found lately, man, I, I feel like this whole year I, I could look back and be like, I probably should have taken it 5% less seriously and that injected some humor into there. And that was one thing I wanted to, uh, to ask you about, which was how does humor or self, like a sense of humor, because you also have a kid, like you've got to have a sense of humor to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like how does that affect, do you think, that, is that a conscious thing that you try to like impose on your life? So it doesn't, your music isn't too uptight and coming from a place that's too practiced. Like, does that totally. make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I loved, I love levity in, in music. Ah. I think, I think like, well, I love it in anything. Cause I, I think being too serious is just like, uh, I don't know. I won't, won't say it's a waste of time, but it's just like, you know, life is too short, too beautiful to be like too stressed about things. And I think in music for sure, like I like to throw in little, like kind of like snide things, you know, with lyrics and stuff like that. And I think also with this whole situation, you have to, I mean, it's not a joke, but you know, you have to ha- approach it with a certain amount of willingness to have a sense of humor about it. It's like, you know, this life gives you lemons type thing. And that's a joke in itself, you know? And this joke, and that point of the podcast is brought to you by Lemon Cello Roy, <laughs> the best flavor. Maybe even over this. I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> it's real. We'll, t- we'll do a taste test one day. Man, I would love to do that. I wonder, is there a hot ones like LaCroix? Is there, there's got to be a hot ones for LaCroix. Yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of it, but I, I think there's enough of a following that, like, you know. Gotta be, dude. Yeah. Croy boys. But then if you say boys, people are going to get mad at you. Dude, so my friend has a, um, a merch line called LaCroix boys. And, oh, um, so someone's already been, I love when the idea that I've had has already been had. He, uh, <laughs> he, he has, so I have this acid boys thing. It's like my, my, like, it's like unofficial Susto merch. It's like what my label is and stuff. Um, acid boys, like LSD or like, yeah, LSD. What? Acid boys. you have it tattooed on your knuck on your knuckles. Yeah. That was my, like, um, I'm dropping out of college. This is like, I'm going to do music for the rest of my life. Everyone, my friend, do you know Josh Headley? Yeah, I do. Yeah. He's got the tattoos to, uh, Josh Headley was a third man records recording artist, but more importantly, a Nashville veteran of the honky yeah. talk down at Roberts over te- since I've been playing there, he's been there. Unbelievable vocalist and, uh, and fiddle player and guitar player, songwriter and shoe collector. Um, <laughs> man, many talents. Jordan ones. Yeah, he's a renaissance man. And on his fucking knuckles, he has, a tat- he has the numbers to uh, swing indoors by Merle Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir. Uh, in this. <laughs> that's legit. That's one of the most legit knuckles. I didn't know he had, that's what he had on his knuckles. Um, that's, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah, man. that's like, that's lifer as fuck right there. I love that. It's lifer as fuck, man. I yeah. see him and I feel like a fucking Boy Scout trying to sell cookies <laughs> <laughs> oh well you're not a boy scout you got you got i don't know your your cookies are fucking awesome man they probably got they probably got weed in them too <laughs> yeah some i'm really do. Some do. yeah man that's cool what, what so tell people a little bit about acid boys because this is news to me 
Okay, so Acid Boys is like, um, I had a song on my first record called Acid Boys and I've named my my label imprint that I put out my stuff with, even with Rounder, it always says Acid Boys on the back of it. It's like kind of my, it's like a, it's a, it's not just me, but it's, yeah, it's my thing. But so my friend who has the LaCroix Boys thing, he like is one of my good friends. He's an OG Acid Boy too. We used to do a lot of that together, but um, he, uh he, he so he stole the boys part of my font and I don't have it to show you, but like, and then he wrote the LaCroix logo over it. So like in Charleston, everybody knows acid boys. Right. So then like, uh, he starts selling LaCroix logo, but then like the acid boys, boys logo over it. And it's just like a knockoff thing. So it's like, it's, it's funny. It's like a combination of acid boys and LaCroix, LaCroix. So it's, it's kind of a, a Charleston thing, but he, he's got his merchandise for sale online. It's great. It's got a, kind of a following too. But yeah, I got I got to get a shirt. You need to check out his his band. It's called Crab Claw. And, uh, <laughs> this guy loves alliteration. He loves rhymes and alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's amazing. He's got some of my best friends are the band, and he is like learning to sing as he's making these records. Um, but the songs are all autobiographical, and they're intense, and they're funny, but they're true. Um, so definitely while he's making the record. So do you think, um, that's something people always tell me like on guitar, like people I don't know that are fans of what I do or people who I do know that are fans of what I do. It's interesting to be like, they can't, they talk about like the process of your instrument as if there's a past tense to it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you've achieved this skill. You've mastered this. It's like, I actually don't think that, like, I really don't think like I've, I think everything's present tense. Like you're learning to sing. Like you're, yeah. I'm still learning to play guitar. Yeah, but you're pretty much a master. But yeah, you're still <laughs> you're still continuing to master probably. So I, I yeah. But, but yeah, I know. I but he is very much at the beginning of his like on his first record. Like it's 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 funny. It's like it, I it's mean, our he's vocals really bad. Huh? I mean, they're not like really bad. It's just funny. It's like part of the, you got to hear it and watch the videos. He's got a great videos around with it too. It's like part of the whole thing. Like Crab Claw is like, it's part comedy. It's like part like dark comedy, but it's all badass. And the music behind it is just rock and roll as fuck. Okay. I'm here for that. That's beautiful. Man, Charleston is that just the Carolina is like, it, it astounds me the amount of music that comes from, from that area of the country. Like, I'm proud of it. You know, I think, yeah. you know, it's not, we don't have like a hub like Nashville, but there's like a lot of, you know, even when I was growing up doing the DIY stuff that we talked about before booking my own shows, like I just did that because everyone was doing that. It was like a whole thing. There were bands and all the little smaller towns and stuff. And you would go play Legion huts and birthday parties or whatever. Oh, and, and, you know, it's, so there's just, there's a lot of music and I, I'm Charleston, especially, you know, as far as in the Carolinas, we have a nice music scene here. There's a lot of young bands doing cool stuff and I'm, I'm proud of it. I love, I love our little music scene. Man. Th- yeah. It's just like the amount of variation too, that comes out of there is, is mm-hmm. wild as well. You know, Nashville. Yes. But the Carolinas really like, yes. Like there's an yeah. astounding amount of, of dynamic happening there. Yeah, the variety is crazy. I mean, we have a band like Ranky Tanky, who's like a Gullah band that like that, that um won a Grammy last year. And then we have like bands like Shovels and Rope. You know Shovels and Rope? I love some Shovels and Rope. Yeah. I like earlier stuff. Yeah. And so then you know they have kind of the Americana thing. And then we have Hootie and the Blowfish, which is everybody's South Carolina fa- in South Carolina's favorite band. Yeah, <laughs> I love music that that is so successful that people dislike because of its success. Right. I love Hootie, dude. I'm like a, I love Hootie. 
Oh, and Darius Rucker, like he'll come out to see my shows sometimes. And I'm just like, I can't believe Darius Rucker is out here, like standing out there, like looking at me right now. He's like, you ever on the mic? Like what you know, Darius, what's going on? I, I'm just, I get starstruck. I can't even talk to him. My manager and him are good friends. And so I like, well, I don't know. I've met him a few times, but he's a really great dude. Yeah, uh, but it's like funny, you know, Darius Rucker, you could just ask him where anything is at Lowe's and I'll tell you what child's in. <laughs> Probably could. He's a man's man and a dad too. Yeah. But, beautiful. But then we got a lot of metal bands too. And it's like, you know, we have a really great hip hop scene in South Carolina too. What are some metal bands that are, that, that are, uh, that are worth checking with? So, so there were some, there's this one band um, called Through the Eyes of the Dead. And then, uh, that could be a good jam band. I mean, yeah. come on. And then, um, God, what's the, I've been kind of out of the metal scene for a little bit, but what's the, um, there's a band from Charlotte called like Wretched. Um, <laughs> but like when growing up for me, there was this, I grew up in a little town called Florence and there was like a little, um, old Legion hut called the Cootie hut. And it was in the woods and like, it was just like have gnarly metal and punk shows in there. And they like turned green day down for a show there, like back in the like late eighties because they thought green day wasn't punk enough. And what do you mean? Green day is not punk enough. They said, no, I didn't think that I, I love green day. I grew up on green day. Don't get me wrong. Like dookie is like one of my favorite albums of all time. But, um, but it's just, this how serious this place was. It's like the size of like, a room and it's it's i I only went to a few shows there growing up and it terrified me people were uh it was lots of drug use and lots oh, yeah. of uh, fighting yeah. You know? oh yeah man lots of that's a real thing sir people from the south might not know this but t- t- when you find buildings in the woods or you find yeah. <laughs> bonfires in the woods there's going to be some human shit going on and yeah, that's totally. a, that's a real part of of the cultivation of your skill when you're doing things that um, or on your own when you're doing it yourself, which mm-hmm. DIY is just, I mean, what do you mean? Like, that's how this country was founded. Like it was DIY. Totally. Like there yeah. wasn't like, you didn't know when you're like the DIY element, man, that to me is like, I think that's why people really love or, and they gravitate towards the story of the person who has DIY success because mm-hmm. it's a, um, it's a reinforcement of the hero's journey. It's a reinforcement of the person totally. who took the, the chance on the chaos and created a great amount of beauty out of it and is doing so presently still. And man, kudos to you for doing that and being, well, I think you do that as well though. You know, I think like you like have created your own lane and you like, uh, you know, you're, you're always just coming up. You're always doing something. You're always got new stuff and it's always fun and entertaining and, and your talent shines through too. So it's like, you know, I appreciate the kudos, but I got, I'd be remiss not to give them back. Cause I think you're like one of the people who's doing it the most and the best right now. So I'm, yeah. Thank you, Justin. That's very kind my friend. That's Dude, that's just the truth, you know. So. I'm a big fan of the truth right now, man. The truth of the currency of truth, I feel, is something that... It's valuable. It's, I think I don't... Keep having these, like... I see a lot of shows happen in town. And it's like, man, like, the people who really mean it are going to be the people who keep on doing it. Like, the, pe- mm-hmm. it, the only way to really mean it is to, is, to, uh, is to have truth be a pungent part of the ingredient of what you're doing. It's like... Yeah, I totally truth. agree. Yeah. I, uh, like, you know, I, I, I'm not that much older. I'm, I'm 33. So I'm only a few years older than you, but like, yeah, uh, very close. you know, I, it was in my kind of late twenties when I started realizing, cause I started in my, in my teens and then there were a lot of people still doing it in my early twenties, mid twenties, it started yeah. falling away. Right. And, and then by like, now it's like, you know, the ones that are like, that's what I meant by lifer when we were talking about Josh Headley earlier is like, I, you know, it's like, that's like, and I think the truth is in those people from the beginning 
And then you just like really start to realize that when you see like, okay, now this person didn't leave to go to this other thing. They're still, they're still in this. Cause this is, this is their truth, this life, this like story they have to tell this, like, you know, it, it draw to entertain and, and be connected to people. It's, it's, it sticks with, it's real in some people. And it's, it's not that it's unreal in these other people and they just have no. you know, to go a separate way. It's just, you know, some people are lifers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we might both be lifers. We'll see. And you, your life is in different realms. Like something that I have been talking to my my father a lot about is my dad was around my age when he met my mom, who had already had me, and he married her and then started a family with her, and but brought me, you know, adopted me as a son. And it was like he was around my age when he did that. And so when I look myself in the mirror, it's like, man, like that could be a real reality that's happening in your life right now. And and that's not something I'm I'm presently participating in, but. That was him making a move at a very young age to determine he would be a lifer for mm-hmm. a life of service towards right. his family, as opposed to a life of service music or which we, which we serve as well. But you're serving that for your family as well, man. It's like mm-hmm. the long game. It really is. You're playing that long game at all moments. It seems, even if you're yeah. aware of it or not. It's uh, yeah. It's all all, all the decisions and, and experiences we have stack up, and they continue to just be a part of your life as long as you get to have a life. And like, yeah, the long game is is true. You're right. You don't even realize. I think sometimes we don't realize how long the game is, or how it's like you know, becoming a parent, or like with your dad and like uh, and your mom, and you coming into his life. It's like you know, those things come. You you, you realize it. Like like when my daughter was born, I was like, okay, this is the person that I'm responsible for now. But it's like, oh, yeah. I hear people talking about it who have kids that are much older than my daughter. My daughter's, you know, a little over a year, but they're like, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a marathon, you know, but it's a great marathon because life is beautiful and, but it's also suffering, but you, you know, the suffering is paired with the beauty and you just learn to enjoy it and learn to be present and find some peace somewhere, I guess. But, find that peace and find that pomple moose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me a piece and give me the pomplamoose with it. Uh-huh. I'll take two, actually. Let's <laughs> do aside from uh, aside from acid boys and and any new tattoos or any shit like that going on. What else? What else can people do to look into Justin Osborne and Sue Stout? Well, I mean, just check me out. I mean, I'm a, I, Instagram is pretty much my uh, my right, my way of talking to the world right now. It's just Susto is real because the Susto the is named after a folk illness, and so like it's like the whole Susto is real. It's like a what is um, Susto? I don't even know what it is. I don't want to pretend. Oh no. man, it's funny actually. So Susto is a is a folk illness. And a this, folk illness. Come on. This is a um. This They're is a not looking a, book on it. So what's the deal? This is an ethnography written about Susto, but it's like a um. It basically means like panic attack or like prolonged PS, PTSD. Like it's it's a Latin American thing. It's like a um, kind of a mixture between psychology and Latin American Catholicism. It literally means susto is the when your soul leaves your body because something traumatic happened to you. And so when you have susto, your soul is kind of like hovering around you, but you're not really complete. And so you have to go through these uh, ceremonial practices and they're different in different places. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with like ayahuasca ceremonies, but like, um, I've never done ayahuasca. I've neither have I, but like ayahuasca is used to kind of, um, treat susto. Uh, and mm. this is one of the things it's used for, but so susto is real is like a, cause whenever I named the band that I was writing these songs, I was going through a point in my life where I was like, I don't feel like myself. My, I was changing my religious views. I was, you know, having a lot of, a lot of shifts in my life. And so that's why I named the band Susto. And so like, uh, so my handle is Susto is real. Cause I'm trying to, I guess, uh, more or less 
bring light to the this term and this thing that I think we it transcends cultures, but they have a name for it in in Latin America. But yeah, anyway, that's where you can find me. So that's a lo- that's a very long form version of your answer or your well, answer man. Your question, so. People are long form. You know, people like to know who you are and, and where you're coming from and, and what your truth is. And I think Brett Weinstein said it best, where it's like a podcast or a way of getting to kind of familiarize yourself with the soul of a person. Mm-hmm. And man, that's where the music comes from. And, it, and so it only makes like, there's nothing more DIY than your soul. No, totally. Your soul is the, is the original do-it-yourselfer, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I appreciate you taking the time to share it, man. And I'm a big fan. I have been since we first met. I'm glad Likewise. you got to pick on my Telecaster. Um, and I, I can't wait to where, where we can hang in the Carolinas and, and see that lowland country sometime, man. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for having me on, Daniel. It's been great to see you again. And I'm glad you're Thank crushing you. it as always, even in Thank times you. of COVID. And I look forward to Thank hanging out in person, man. Let's go, man. All right. Peace on, my friend. Cheers, brother. Justin Osborne is an honest man. He's a deep thinking man and he's a hard working man. And I'm a huge fan. Please indeed go check out Susto. Susto is real. Check out Acid Boys. All right, y'all. What are we listening to today? Oh, we are listening to a little bit of uh, Obrey Ramsey, uh, which he was doing a cover of uh, Cold Rain and Snow. That was on the intro of this podcast. Um, then we were listening to La Mia uh, by um, Susto. And then now we're listening to Conway Twitty, Hey Baby. Only because I recently saw an episode of Family Guy where they were fucking with Conway Twitty. And I thought it was funny because I always thought Conway was cool. And then I, after seeing that Family Guy skit, I definitely realized how Conway could be a little bit funny. So. Here's to a little bit funny. Here's to a little bit of levity, as mentioned by Justin Osborne. A little bit of levity. I wish that in y'all's life as we go into this new year. One question I want to leave you with is, I really want to, it's more of a challenge. I want you to really think about that one thing, maybe it's three things, that you really don't want to think about. Maybe something you're ashamed of, something you knew you could have done a better job at. Or something you just haven't quite gotten done yet. All those bills in the corner. uh, That song you want to learn. I just want you to tackle that. And I want you to set a to-do date for it. Only so you can empower yourself with the mental freedom. Just so you know that you can have time to get goals done. I find I get most stressed and sad when I believe I don't have enough time. And if you think you don't have enough time, you're sincerely wrong. Uh, Because plenty of people who are more successful than you have uh, made great do with the time that they have. And fortunately, we all have 24 hours in a day. Enjoy those 24 hours. Stay patient. Stay persistent. Stay positive. Stay cosmic. I'll talk to you all later. Thanks for enjoying the Lost Highway Podcast.